0: Welcome to Withstanding, a podcast by the Finnish Cultural Institute in New York. I'm Elina Suöriä, the director of programs at the FCINY, and I'll be your host in today's episode. Withstanding is both a podcast and a series of essays published on the FCINY website. At the end of each episode, we also present a sound-based artwork. As we now slowly approach a post-pandemic era, withstanding looks into what lies ahead for the field of visual arts. What do we want to take with us to the future? What to leave behind? What to cultivate? Join us in envisioning a brighter future and more just and sustainable conditions for the field of visual arts. So, in this first episode, we focus on artist residencies and mobility, and I'm very happy to introduce our guests, Taru Elfving and Kari Conti. Warm welcome. Uh, So, Taru and Kari are both curators and researchers with work backgrounds in major residency organisations. Taru Elfving is currently based in Helsinki, and her curatorial practice is focused on the intersections of ecological and feminist thought. Elfing is currently developing a multidisciplinary platform for artistic research in collaboration with the Archipelago Sea Research Institute of Turku University. She has published an extensive body of writing and related to our topic today, co-edited the publication Contemporary Artist Residencies Reclaiming Time and Space with Irma Likokko, which was published in 2019. Kari uh, Conte is currently based in and also uh, speaking to us uh, from Turkey, as she is a Fulbright Senior Research Scholar in Istanbul this year, researching feminist artistic practices. For the past 10 years, she worked as the Director of Programs and Exhibitions at ISCP International Studio and Curatorial Program in New York. She is active as a curator, writer, and lecturer and her interests lie in the intersections of art, politics, ecology and feminism, as well as the institutional and exhibition histories. She has published artist monographs and contributed to numerous other books and exhibition catalogues, most recently and also relating to our topic today, the essay curatorial residencies saying yes to who or what turns up, published by Goethe Institute in 2020. So again, a very warm welcome, Taro and Kari. I'm really happy to have you with us today in this first episode. And um, I think we could uh, go ahead and kickstart our discussion. So what do you think are the most pressing issues when thinking about
1: mobility and residencies today? Thank you, Alina. Thank you, Taro. I'm glad to be in conversation with you both today on a topic that... Um, it has changed a lot like everything over the past year. Uh, But I think the question of mobility in residencies, a lot of the um, issues that were most pertinent a year ago are also really the most pertinent ones today. Um, Of course, they're different in the fact that many people um, can't travel who could previously travel from, let's say, you know, Global North countries. Um, but still the, the question, of course, for mobility is who can travel and participate in residencies um, and questions of access and diversity and equity and inclusion. Um, so, you know, how to make the residency space um, more uh, expansive is, is, in terms of mobility is still the biggest question.
2: Thanks, Carrie. it's great to be in this conversation and thank you, Elena, for the invitation. Um, I, I fully you know, uh, agree with Kari um, that the, the fundamental kind of challenges and questions were very much there already, year or some years ago, uh, but have definitely been so accentuated by the situation now. Um, and, um, and I think the kind of precarity of, of the arts, both the residency organisations, but also artists and curators has become really, really pronounced now in the last year, Uh, there's certainly some residency organizations will not be there after the pandemic uh, because they've relied so much on funding that is very much tied to the individuals who travel. Um, And and so the kind of, I think the year, the last year has really revealed also on how how those particular funding structures and and the kind of certain aims and and, and missions behind the funding and the criteria, uh, often also on who can travel. Um, is uh, is something that um, uh, really is, is, is kind of the sort of foundation for many organisations, and so suddenly when when the art, when the curators or artists from global north, for example, are not travelling, uh, or not able to travel, uh, the funding doesn't travel either. I think it's kind of been a moment in many ways, though, that are, has been an important moment, a necessary moment for us to stop the sort of accelerated circulation. And, and to kind of really think and rethink of, of what is it that we're traveling for and how, and exactly who is able to travel and why are we actually traveling. Um, and ecologically, of course, this has been a big issue that has been recognized in the last few years, more and more so that, um, that the kind of this, this sort of very fast-paced travel in the global uh, art scene is, is totally unsustainable. Uh, is very much connected to this sort of uh, accelerated circulation overall that is also behind, of course, the pandemic itself. Um, but uh, um, but I think in, in many ways, at the same time, the residencies have been working at a different pace than a lot of the other travel and mobility involved in the arts. So I think that kind of slower pace and more focused and more um, sort of longer-term committed uh, sort of mobility that residencies have been have been supporting is something that that is really um, necessary to rethink you know and really revalue I think um, and, and that's become really clear now if residencies have been some of the only art organizations that have been able to continue also supporting I, I think in a way the pandemic has sort of really focused us on thinking about being more selective on when do we really feel that we really need to and want to and have to travel, uh, but then also being able to really take time and commit to uh, that sort of, um, that travel as as kind of real investment of time and and our focus.
1: Um, There's a lot to unpack there (laughs) in our conversation. And I, I wanted to start with the precarity of art institutions, which is nothing new. Um, but I think residencies are very specific in terms of that because it's very difficult, at least in the U.S. context, to fund art institutions whose work is largely invisible, um, and to support—you know—support is difficult to come by for art institutions that are doing research and supporting artist production. Um, and I think the this moment we're in really amplifies that as well. Of course, as you said. Many institutions won't remain open. I know there are some you know, figures in the US that say 30% of art institutions will close. Um, and this is particularly troubling in terms of residencies because they're smaller organizations, and generally they're smaller organizations, even ISCP, which is probably the largest residency program in the United States, you know, so so small institutions, I mean, all our institutions are in trouble, small institutions especially, and then to compound that with residency programs, which, you know, the, the work that we do is so difficult to fund in the first place. Um, and, you know, to move on to the question of ecology, which is a really um, big one, <laughs> um, and, you know, staying longer. And I think residencies have been maybe in some ways even ahead of what everyone is starting to um, consider more deeply in terms of going places and staying longer. Um, You know, it's not just beneficial for the environment to stay in a longer place, but it's also beneficial for the artist or curator in residence. But I also see residencies as a institution that can collaborate with other institutions, maybe institutions that mostly present work, um, to host artists to come to a place and be there longer, you know, also as part of non-residency activities, um, and also reduce carbon footprint in that they can then produce the work in the city um, or the place, you know, where they are. So there's a lot of um, different... There's a lot of different ways that residencies can be productive in terms of um, reducing carbon footprint, even though the flights are still happening, et cetera.
0: Summarizing based on what you said now, that it seems like the three kind of most urgent issues seem to be equity, like who gets to travel and then ecological issues uh, related to the traveling itself. And then this kind of like, um, institutional funding structures that are now in endangered because of the pandemic but what's really interesting is that uh, more or less like all of these problems or issues have been there already and like Taru said in the beginning the pandemic highlighted all of these topics so are there maybe like uh, certain questions that you think that uh residency programs should think about when this kind of inevitable situation of a standstill um, is taking place. So what should the residency programs think about when reevaluating their programs and strategies? I
2: guess what I've been thinking a lot is... Um, um, recently, on, on how uh, how we need to situate our practices much more carefully um, in on every level, whether as individual practitioners or or as organisations. Uh, so, where we are with our work, uh, what is our work contributing to? Uh, what is its impact in in different ways? Um, uh, what are the kind of driving forces behind that? Um, and I think in um, you know, if we think about residencies. Um, There isn't, it's interesting because residencies have been very uh, kind of fast growing field of, I guess, a model in a way, but at the same time, it's a really ambiguous as a model. It's not really a very fixed at all. There's as many residency models as there are residencies, more or less. Um, And and I think there's still a lot to be uh, sort of developed there. Uh, So in, in terms of really recognizing that if there's a residency in New York City, in a particular, uh, connected to a particular studio or or art organizations or particular um, discursive um, framework Uh, is a very different thing than a a residency in a, let's say, a small town in rural settings um, and how they can offer very, very different things and have very different kinds of value uh, for, um, for the artists or curators going to a residency there, but also for the local context and for the local, whether it's a local community or the, the art scene and so on. And I think these um, this is something that we really have to think more in a way of in, in the future, thinking of why we are doing these things in a particular place and uh, whether it's a kind of ecosystem environment, but in a community, uh, the particular kind of histories that are connected to that place and the mobility that is you know, connected to that place, and uh, and and then through that, uh, they can also um, be even more meaningful for the residents. I feel. I think the time of just traveling for the sake of traveling or seeing kind of mobility as a value in itself, that's over. I think we have to that sort of we can't. Uh, that's sort our of cultivation of 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 international relations and so on. That were very much the foundation for residencies in Europe. Uh, particularly in the 90s after the, after the Cold War ended. So the, the, there was a lot of political um, drive behind the funding was to just get to get people to move bit across the borders to get to know each other. And, um, and I think that's kind of, we live in a very different world now. If we become a resident, if we take up that sort of invitation or possibility to become a res- temporary resident somewhere, what kind of responsibilities that brings with it somehow? Uh, What that demands of us, Uh, but in the same way from the organisations that actually to kind of invite and kind of to welcome somebody as a resident, what does that really mean? What kind of, how can we uh, really sort of uh, live up to those expectations and what should those expectations be? And also, I guess, to add to that, I'm, I'm really interested in kind of thinking about how the art scene itself is never just a scene, you know, it's also kind of a collection of different kinds of, um, the sort of communities and, 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 and sort of areas of interest and focus. And so how do we, you know, that, that potential of residents is to really connect the residents in a, in a sort of, uh, with their peer network, what, what is the kind of critical community, meaningful community for them in a, in a particular art context, for example. Um, that, that, that's a lot of work. And I think that's a kind of that's a lot of investment of of effort, you know, uh, from the organization side, but also from the residents. What are the different structures that can really support that uh, more in depth, uh, longer term, kind of meaningful connections?
1: I just want to maybe go back to two or three of the points that um, Taro brought up, and one is expectations, which is the I think the The most critical aspect of thinking about residencies and the expectations, mostly on the residents' part, Um, and you know that is probably the hardest part of uh, running a residency program. Really, is um, uh, I don't want to say managing expectations because that's not quite the right way to say it, but. That the the artist or curator in residence has expectations that are congruent with what the institution does, which doesn't happen so often, actually. Um, and so you know, expectations—that's one thing. The other thing is this idea of uh, like reciprocity, that it's not really only about what the institution can do for the artist or curator in residence, but it's also about you know, what the artist or curator brings to, to the mix in a certain sense. And you know, this is very interesting because I think that residents should and often do shape the residency institution, that residencies are have this kind of special role in that um, it's not so much like a top-down institutional order um, because the residents so often shift and change. You know what's happening, whether that's like the pace or the programming or the community or you know just the environment or energy of a, a specific space. Um, and residents really bring in so many. Um, different kinds of knowledges that the institution might not have otherwise. So I think reciprocity is a is a really important aspect of residencies that often um, goes overlooked.
0: Uh, it's great that you mentioned the aspect of cultural exchange here, Taru, and um, how it is or has been the very base of several residency programs. Um, so speaking now on behalf of the Finnish Cultural Institute in New York, uh, this has indeed been the foundation of the institute and its residency program when they were set up in, in 1990. So to, uh, the, main, the main aim was really to make uh, Finnish art and Finnish design known in the U.S. and in New York, uh, whereas uh, at the moment the main aim is more in creating dialogue Uh, between art professionals in the U.S. and in Finland. Um, And also thinking more about the residency programs themselves that are also these days realized in collaboration with residency organizations in the city, uh, such as the ISCP. Uh, So they are developing more and more towards models that better support the artist's work. So um, I find this need to change, that you mentioned, Daru, very essential, um, that residency programs change as times are changing, the art scene is changing, and also artistic practices practices are of course changing as well. Uh, But to move on, so we've been now discussing mostly the urgencies when thinking about residencies and mobility today and the different issues the pandemic has accentuated during the past year or so. Uh, If we now move on uh, in the spirit of this withstanding project to talk more about the things we want to take with us to the post-pandemic era. So what do you think are the most fruitful aspects of residencies today? What do you think is worth keeping and cultivating? I think you both already mentioned communities as one of these valuable assets, but uh, what else would you add?
1: As we um, spoke about a minute ago, you know, many residency programs, of course, were founded with the idea of cultural exchange or the idea of hosting artists being enough, right? Like that in itself is enough, but as the whole art ecosystem of residencies expands, it's it's no longer enough. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways that somehow residencies are at this moment of institutional critique, like museums were way back when, residencies are catching up, and that the critical thinking and the work around that, which the, bu- the book that um, you did, Tarot, uh, with Emele Cocos, I think is a really important um, step in that, um, and you know, so this rethinking through of what residencies are and how they can best serve artists and curators, and also what their kind of position should be within their community is is we're, we're at a moment I think when that that work and that thinking is is accelerated. And I I founded an institution. It's not an institution. It's a working group in New York called Rethinking Residencies, which is um, a, a working group of about 15 residency organizations that, um, come together to uh, like kind of understand what we're doing because there's a real lack of best practices in the field and a lack of information and, and theory. And, you know, we can have a whole other, um, podcast about that, but to get back to your question, um, Alina, uh, I, I think that this idea of cultural exchange is really important and, <laughs> and even if you know even if somehow that's the only thing a residency does, I think it's still really worthwhile, especially at this moment, because we're absolutely starved for that. I mean, we're so we're so isolated. It's going to be so hard and so challenging for these links to you know proliferate again. But the other things that are worth keeping, I think, are really the pillars of residencies, like supporting artists and curators, supporting their practices, caregiving, support for non-commercial art practices, residencies are a huge lifeline for that, Um, especially, you know, I keep talking about my own usual context, New York City, especially in a place like New York City, where there are few resources for artists who work outside of the commercial realm. Um, I think, I still think that space is a really important part of residencies. There's a lot of discussion around post-studio practice, but I think if you give physical space, something very different is generated. Um, and also one of the biggest challenges for residency programs, but also I think one of the most fruitful Elements worth keeping, um, as you put it, Alina, is enduring links in the host place. Like, how can residency programs engender links that remain and expand in the host place?
2: Absolutely, I really, really agree with that. And I think that kind of um, that's one thing that we can hopefully take from this pandemic experience as well is that we've, you know, we've we've learned to use the kind of virtual connections in a different way. And this is something that. Uh, we also have kind of more experience now on an understanding of what works virtually and, and when do you actually really need to be somewhere in the shared space with people where you need, really need to get be, go out on the field in a way to kind of really uh, have much more kind of embedded experience of a place or you know, work with a, with peers in a, in a, in a different setting uh, than just through this sort of virtual exchange. But I think the kind of... Um, these virtual online connections is something to be really nurtured i think further to really you know develop these more longer term connections between places and 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 for practices to be able to keep that connection Uh, but i think one one thing that also carrie mentioned is, um uh, this sort of who needs in a way residencies and for whom residencies are really meaningful i think this is a really big question that a lot of residency organizations recently have been also thinking of how uh, how can they support the kind of practices that maybe other areas or other institutions in the in the contemporary arts are not so supportive of, or aspects of practices that are not totally production driven, or uh, or more, for example, research based? Those sort of phases of reflection on, and and kind of uh, research that you don't know yet what it where where it will lead. Um, or collective practices, you know, that are uh, practices that don't um, produce an art or artwork that can easily be absorbed into the market or the kind of uh, biennials or, or other kind of exhibition structures and, and formats. Um, so I think the residencies have really been a very important support structure in many places for for artists who are not working so much with the market or whose work doesn't really kind of fit in there. Um, but I think also it's a kind of crown for that sort of experimentation, where you can actually get, uh, you can have funding in the best residencies. Definitely, you get solid enough funding for long enough time to actually really take time for your work. So that kind of time and space that many artists do not have for their work in this way, and 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 so I think that kind of again the different sort of sense of temporality of of being able to commit and focus is really crucial. But this also demands that the residencies are well enough funded and and that they really uh, allow the uh, residents to be there for long enough and to to be able to make the choice of not taking on all these other tiny bits of jobs and things that then actually split their focus and time. Uh, But I think this is... um, Also kind of connects to another point that when you were mentioning the community and and also the cultural exchange that I just really don't believe uh, anymore that cultural exchange in a meaningful way can happen when we are in that sort of hyper accelerated mode when people are uh, dropping somewhere for a month or even three months, you know, and then continuing to the next place. and so, what what does it take for us to have really meaningful exchange with across disciplines or cultural or other other boundaries? Um, and and how to kind of I think that also connects to another uh, thing that kind of hovers in my mind now is is around the kind of individualized nature of residencies and most of the art world that is there's so much emphasis on individual practice, and it's it's kind of like um, like residencies also are part of that quite competitive structure where uh, artists are constantly and curators, young curators, applying for residencies, applying for these sort of opportunities, uh, and and uh, and then you're moving from one to another. So how can residencies really? I, I think there's a, there's a, something in the way residencies work where we share a space, we where we come together with all these people that we haven't met before. Um, we don't know anything about and you can spend a few months actually sharing some of this sort of like a temporary home situation uh, with these other colleagues uh, that can be really I think really powerful and I think there's a lot more that we could take from that and we could really develop that on how these temporary communities can be meaningful beyond the kind of uh, career network uh, logic of, of, of kind of um residencies that is, is sometimes kind of emphasized maybe more over this sense of community. And uh, and I think this is something that also now during the pandemic, we've become so, um, at least I've become really aware of how I really miss just having coffee with colleagues, you know, or, or bumping into somebody in, a, in an event and, and having a really interesting and meaningful conversation or, you know, in a, um, in a seminar, it's those coffee breaks that are often the most interesting and, and valuable somehow, those, those chance encounters and conversations um, where the, that are not so um, driven by a particular goal. You know they're not so focused and kind of choreographed and so on and i guess residency is so a lot of residency activity happens around that um the sort of uh shared dinners or or the fact that there's a bunch of people who are in a new place new town together and they kind of navigate that situation together and and so kind of how how these um that temporary community has huge amount of potential to really. Um, we can nurture even more, this sort of really meaningful um, sort of sense of collectivity that could grow out of that
1: um, in a way. I think, you know, w- what you said, maybe to respond to it a little bit, of course, nothing can ever replace in-person connections you have um, with people. But when you mentioned that, you know, a lot of what's productive about residencies is of course running into, you know, an artist from across the world in in the hallway or going out to dinner or, you know, uh, this kind of unstructured um un let's say programmatic um kinds of things that happen. So, I'm curious what you think about digital residencies. Um I know for example, Yaspis in Sweden mentioned something like they're trying to recreate these kind of coffee moments um, in the digital space, and there's a lot of proliferation of online residencies. There's so many different names for them. I can't keep track. Like online residencies, digital, virtual, at home residencies. Um, and you know, I think maybe it was Res Artis did a study that said something like 30% of organizations think there's so much potential, and 40% said no way. You know, residencies are all about being together. Um, so I wonder what you think about this and, uh, you know, I, I haven't been actively a part of, uh, digital residencies since the summer, but the first three, four months of the pandemic in New York, um, I was actively part of IACP's digital residencies, but there's one, um, you know, example, which I think is Amazing, um, and it speaks to how you know a digital space can also um, foster new work that you know can, could maybe not exist elsewhere. And there's an artist um, Nezakat Akichi, who's a, a German artist, who made a performance on Instagram Live where she basically over forty-five minutes. Uh, kind of constructed a QR code sculpture and then at the end of the performance you know you're supposed to like put your phone on the QR code on the screen and then the whole she has a pre-recording of this performance and it loops it loops again and it's it's a beautiful idea and also the way that you know her gestures and movement and just you know, being in this time and space. And that came out of a digital residency she, she did. That that was three months. I mean, she would have normally never, I think, worked quite in that way before. So I think there's a lot of potential. Um, and yeah, just wondering what you think about that.
2: I haven't got any personal experience of virtual residency. Um, so I think I'm kind of, uh, it's really hard to, even know what's all the things that are happening now, because I think there's so much ex- experimentation happening in the last year. Um, but I think before the pandemic, most of the cases where I heard about virtual residencies, the kind of the way that they seem to operate, um, at least from those artists that I spoke with who had been involved, um, it was really the kind of the focus on, the, on those contacts, the virtual was basically a possibility to present your process and projects, you know, in 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 a way. Um, and so it becomes a kind of quite production oriented somehow, and, and the kind of very much connected to that sort of attention economy somehow. Um, if that's the emphasis. But I think now with the pandemic, when suddenly um, there's different modes of home residencies in a way through virtual connections have obviously proliferated. Um, I think it's really interesting to see what comes out of this because it's become, it, there's, there must be so many different ways of doing that. Um, and I think after the at the moment, of course, during the pandemic, uh, there's a total exhaustion with another Zoom or another online meeting. Uh, so to kind of the thought that after your meetings you will choose to have a coffee online with somebody it's kind of uh i think it will be interesting to see after pandemic when we're not constantly on these online meetings how we can at that point really um develop and focus on let's have coffee over zoom rather than uh, just email or something like that, that uh, how how can we use this sort of an, 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 and take these different models forward in different ways. Um, but I think the kind of home residency also is, is what, what I've been thinking of is the interesting potential of um, allowing, maybe through this sort of home residency, so supporting artists to work without them having to travel. If we think of artists whose work, um, who basically don't have those resources and those sort of infrastructure, the time and space, for the work that they need to do that might be very local, might be very, very connected to a particular place. How the re- this sort of home residency, virtual residency would actually support them to go and t- to do what they do and what they need to do where they are at home, but still kind of then connect uh, through this sort of virtual residency platform with other peers in a meaningful way. And, uh, and, and so I think that kind of, can we imagine the funders in the future funding artists uh, for residencies without travel. And I think this is really quite exciting to think of how we could, um, in in terms from this sort of equity perspective as well, of who can
1: travel and how and when is travel actually really meaningful. I think, you know, not just geographic obstacles that artists have, of course, you know, who can travel and and when and where, um, but also, the questions around, you know, accessibility in residencies. I mean, digital residencies. You know, you could say that they are, you know, more democratizing for the residency space. But of course, we know that not everyone has access to technology, and there's a lot of issues around that. But um, accessibility, not just about geography, but also about families. If you have a family, you can't go to a residency sometimes. Or if you have a job that supports your artistic work, or age, or even artists that have, you know, mobility issues, a lot of residencies aren't supportive of that. So, you know, I'm hopeful that this digital residency residency proliferation will somehow make residencies more... Uh, more accessible um, to a broader range of artists. Um, There are funders who are already specifically funding digital residencies. So I saw Australia Council for the Arts or Asian um, Cultural Council. They have specific uh, programs now where artists can apply to do a digital residency anywhere in the world. So I think that's um, very, very, you know, there, there are many of these very quick response initiatives to, you know, trying to support artists during this time of the pandemic, which of course is completely crucial. And one of the, I mean, aside from specifically residencies, one of the really apparent um, repercussions of what's happening is this even heightened awareness of just how, um, you know, precarious it is to be an artist, basically.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I hope that these kind of practices that have been experimented with this year, that they will, some of them will actually be continued, you know, that this sort of recognition of that precarity and willingness to actually support. But also kind of one thing is um, that I've been thinking of recently is is this um, question of what are the kind of histories that are connected to our mobilities and our movements and what we can, um, how we're going to somehow The way uh, residencies, for example, residency uh, travel is supported is is sort of very, uh, it's a continuation of particular political histories um, that continue particular kind of uh, geopolitical um, sort of ideologies. Um, And so we really need to kind of somehow think beyond that, I think. And there's so many alternatives to think about how, how we could orient ourselves in different ways and pay attention to or... Or see that we might be actually what might be relevant for my practice and and or for this artist's uh, research would be somewhere quite ex- unexpected. The right kind of peer networks and communities and 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 challenge for their perspective might be somewhere that is somehow not visible on the map or for residencies or residency opportunities, and and how this kind of thinking. Outside of this, what is there as a kind of already mapped out your potential routes in a way and who can travel which way and so on. But I, I think there's there's so much more potential beyond that. Uh, but of course, we are speaking from a particular um, Western, uh, global no- North, you know, European, North American perspective um, that, that the map that we see is very particular
1: than, than
2: of course, in, in other parts of the globe. Well,
1: from, you know, from the, from the United States perspective, the U.S. still doesn't, well, the U.S. did <laughs> and then stopped funding um, cultural exchange and artist mobility. So there's so much, so, you know, even though, you know, we're talking about North America and Europe, in a sense, I know this probably would sound crazy for someone Um, from, let's say, Indonesia, where there's even less funding for the arts. But it's very hard to fund a residency for an American artist. It's, uh, you know, it's it's hard to send American artists abroad because a lot of the residencies, like you said, that um, rely on nation-state funding don't have that funding from the United States. And it's also hard to raise money for an American artist to do a residency within the United States. Um, so, you know, when, when we speak about like underfunded regions that don't have access necessarily to all of this, in a way, I would put the United States and artists from the U.S. in there. I mean, you know, it's, it's the reality of things and, and I don't really, you know, I don't see it changing anytime soon. There isn't a lot of, um, yeah, there's not a lot of support for the arts at the government level in the U.S., and still a lot of private funders don't understand the importance of residencies, so.
2: I think another thing is that I came across while doing research for the, for the book with Iremeli um, was this sort of recognition of how there's so much of the residency support is, is European uh, for, for artists. So even when, um, when residents are supported to, uh, from other parts of the world, it's usually to come to Europe and and so there's no for example in 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 southeast asia there's a colleague saying that it's very difficult for artists there to get any support to travel next door to the country next door but they can get funding to you know at a certain stage of their career they can get funding to come to berlin you know or paris or something uh, but actually that kind of there the isn't support structures for regional um, uh, sort of travel and 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 to really kind of form meaningful much more potentially long lasting uh, connections with peers, you know, within the region, um, and uh, and I think that's something kind of interesting to think of as well of how how could we in different ways support support that? Can we imagine somehow supporting that uh, from from the kind of European perspective?
1: Or what's interesting is in Indonesia, if we take that example again, uh, some of the cultural exchange that does happen within the region is supported by European funders, so. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a very tough one, which you know relates to funding funding of the arts at large. Yeah,
2: just going back to this notion of temporary community that I think has been written about and talked about quite a lot in relation to residencies. Uh, but now, when when post pandemic, when we can actually return to this real, you know, physical temporary communities of kind of home away from home situations um i think there's a great potential there for cultivating different kinds of practices of reciprocity of care of kind of hospitality um, but also kind of really i think the residencies have great potential in really focusing on that on how do we practice this how do we actually really meet across Disciplinary or or cultural boundaries. How, how do we actually really listen and try to be open for different viewpoints and different experiences, and and um, and how do we share our our, our kind of um, knowledge or our practice uh, in a in a kind of a real generous way? So what do you think of this kind of from practical? Um, From the practice of of residencies, how could residencies sort of somehow nurture more of that that temporary community as a as a sort of? Because I'm quite curious. I I think we all we need this sort of um, space and time for experimenting with a different way of being in the world. Because clearly, the way that we are in the world now uh, and the kind of our everyday habits are quite unsustainable in every many senses of the word. Um, So the kind of it's, the residency is often talked about that the, um, it gives that sort of open-ended time and space for experimentation and creativity for the artists, for the residents, in terms of their work. Uh, but what about that social, that sort of temporary community aspect of that? Could we think of that as a very kind of particular kind of time and space for experimentation as well?
1: I think it's the most important part of residencies. And- What residents get out of these programs often is these lasting relationships that, you know, support their work, support their thinking, and a lot of, you know, mobility, to go back to this question of mobility, a lot of mobility happens resident to resident. It doesn't happen because the program, I mean, the programs often do do this as well, but it doesn't only happen because the program connects the resident to you know A, B, and C. It happens because two residents formed a bond and formed, you know, an intellectual or artistic or both, you know, bond bond in a sense. Um, and that that it that's the kind of impact I think that is really meaningful. I mean, to go back to this question of what kind of cultural exchange is meaningful for me, that's that's very meaningful. That. You know, two residents who normally would not have collaborated or have been in an exhibition together or wrote a text together. And that impact often doesn't happen until two, three, four, five years after the residency. So, in a sense, I feel I feel lucky. I was at ICP for so long because I was able to see up and close this, let's say, delayed, delayed impact that a residency can have. And fostering community it's it's also this these two really basic tenets of residency programs time and space and if if you bring people together and you know so often it's around food or getting lost on the subway together or working there at midnight and being scared of like some sound and knocking on your neighbor's door um, that's that's so much how it happens, and also it depends who's there. Like there were moments at IACP when, maybe you know, I didn't feel that there was a really strong sense of community, and other moments, like when the pandemic started in New York, the the community was so tight and such a lifeline for everyone, including myself as someone who was isolated in their apartment and barely left for three months. That I that community of the IACP residents really in a in a pretty big way got me through those first few months without you know completely <laughs> losing my mind. Um, so yeah, this this idea of community is is a very important one, and 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 yes, especially post pandemic because our lifelines and our communities, those ties those ties. My feeling, I don't know if I'm right or not, because, of course, I'm living in a somewhat isolated place now next to the Aegean, but my feeling is that our, our, our stronger ties are stronger and our weaker ties are much weaker. And those weaker ties, you know, have the potential to become stronger ties, but they're not being nurtured now. So, um, residencies have, have a lot to do in terms of generating community. So...
2: And maybe also kind of to add to that, but it's not all fun and nice. You know, it can be also quite hard work, and I think that's part of uh, that's really crucial part of that somehow. And and maybe there is something more to be done in terms of nurturing that uh, for the residents in terms of expectations and understanding that you're committing to more than just your own work in the studio. That when you come into this this program, you know you will you will have to um, in a way rehearse this. Uh, different ways of of community building and reciprocity and care between people that you might otherwise, you know, w- they would never enter your bubble, you know, of, of your kind of your immediate kind of um, professional community or peer network.
0: Uh, Black Lives Matter movement and last summer's uprising in the U.S. have made Um, Hopefully, uh, most white art organizations finally aware of our white privilege and the necessity to implement anti-racist strategies in our work. Um, I know this is a huge question and a discussion to be continued, but would you like to say something from um, a New York perspective to this topic, Carrie?
1: we at IACP had a lot of conversations around Black Lives Matter when the protests were happening. And these conversations happened with, you know, white artists from the Netherlands and artists we were hosting who were Black from Africa and, you know, artists from the U.S. And so there was a a huge, broad range of people. And many of the artists were also going out to protest and that, of course, was at a moment when going out to protest could possibly mean becoming ill from COVID. I mean, it still can mean that, but it was a moment where you really thought if you were going to go out and protest, like something was probably, you're, you're probably going to get COVID. Um, and luckily, you know, that kind of, sh- that those protests really shifted so much and also our thinking around um, COVID because that kind of made us all realize you can have mass groups of people wearing masks and it wasn't going to be um, a super spreader event outdoors. So what I'm trying to say is that artists that you wouldn't necessarily expect um, to have a real personal stake in those issues at that moment had a personal stake in those issues um, and went out and protest, even though it meant... They might lose their visa. Um, you know, they, or they'd have to go home or they'd get COVID in a foreign country. And so, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, all all the all the artists in the program at that time had a stake in what was happening and were really transformed by it. And the initial conversation started out like, well, maybe this doesn't impact you, or maybe, you know, this isn't as real. And that really wasn't the case, and I remember we had some online meetings, and this also speaks to like how the digital space can be great <laughs> um, where w- one resident was at a protest, and we just watched and occasion you know we would talk, and then occasionally you know he would show us what was going on, he'd go on mute because he was doing something, and so you know in that sense. Um, it was it was really amazing. And, um, you know, of course, there were also just like basic things we had to tell the residents, like if you get arrested, call us or, you know, because if you're in a different country, you don't necessarily have that support system. And this, I think there's so much more to say about this, and we probably don't have time. But this also goes back to the question of caregiving and nurturing and creating community and support um which which are very you know very very important questions so
0: but yeah to kind of um wrap up i think we are kind of out of time thank you so much for this discussion uh i kind of wanted to say out loud the list that i've been putting putting um down based on discussion on these things that are worth keeping and nurturing and i'm sure that a lot of things are missing but uh, at least here are some of the things so nurturing non-goal oriented processes uh, enabling unscheduled meetings providing time and space fostering communities and long-lasting networks and links cultural exchange slow processes cultivating support structures which is obviously a, a vast concept and uh, last but not least offering funding opportunities for artists to focus on their work.
2: I think just to kind of maybe underline that that I think we really need to focus um, focus really closely on who we are not uh, recognizing who we are not supporting, um, who are marginalised, um, and um, and I think this is going to be the big challenge for uh, for residencies and and the great potential uh, to kind of really um, take up that role and, and kind of uh, carry all these things that I think are real kind of important values in residencies and make more out of it. You know, to kind of really think of who are who we are missing from our programmes and who and what are possibly those models or thinking in residencies but also in the structures within our organizations and in our discourse that we are not hearing or, or paying attention to. Um, I think there's kind of, this is a great time now. There's, there's not going to be the kind of old normal to return to, I hope, you know, in the, uh, in the art world, but I hope there's going to be something, a real potential to kind of rethink and open up uh, for, for these sort of different approaches and thinking as well so i'm kind of um hoping that these co- these conversations will be happening a lot with um also um those practitioners and, and and thinkers who we have not maybe heard or reached yet in in these discussions around residences
0: definitely i think equity is the one big uh question an issue that needs to be discussed so much more than it has, and that's why it's definitely the first question to bring with us from these other topics and alongside them. Thank you so much for this talk, and um, maybe to mention here also that um, a text we've commissioned from Daru Elfving titled Imagine a World Without Travel, Artist Residencies in the Future Present is available on the FCINY website. Already to read and that's also kind of a reference or a starting point for this discussion. So again, thank you very much for being in this first episode. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Taro and Alina. Hope to see you soon in person. Yes, looking forward to that. In today's
0: episode, we present a sound piece by Maria Ahti titled Symbiogenesis. The piece was originally published on Maria album Vegetal Negatives in 2019. Symbiogenesis proves a slow evolution of wet, airy and earthy sounds and soft friction. The piece juxtaposes recordings of rooms and empty vessels, natural and artificial climates, spontaneous and staged events and acoustic and electronic sources. The sounds hover between abstraction and the vaguely familiar. The term symbiogenesis refers to evolutionary theory. It relates to the cooperation between species aiming at increasing their survival. Maria Ahti is a Swedish-Finnish composer and sound artist based in Turku, Finland. She works with field recordings and other acoustic sound material combined with synthesizers and electronic feedback.